Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue, 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 blue this, this is the pod, the pod for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. See, what had happened was, that essentially is what we heard from Mitchell Robinson on social media. It is EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer, here on Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, RCWFAN original. We got a lot to get to. On this final episode of the week of Orange and Blue Bloods, where we're talking about the latest from Mitchell Robinson. He expressed frustration earlier in the week regarding um, his role in the team. He wanted to clarify those comments to me on Snapchat on Instagram. And we had some commentary from Mitchell Robinson and, and, and him trying to explain why he was frustrated and, and in some ways apologize for, for the lash out and the, and the tantrum that we saw and throw on, on Snapchat. So we'll talk about that. We'll also preview this Denver Nuggets game, obviously a big game for the Knicks here. We'll also be talking about the maybe return of Jalen Brunson, which is really exciting news. And we'll take a deep look at the standings. There's 10 games left in the season. Knicks right now in the fifth seed, trying to hold off Nets, uh, who are in sixth, trying to hold off the Heat, who are right now in seventh, and maybe even looking ahead to that fourth spot where Cleveland's only two games ahead of them. So we'll give you guys a breakdown of where the standings lie with just 10 games left. We'll talk about uh, what the Knicks have to do to maybe keep this fifth spot or even maybe get up to the fourth. So plan to get to on this episode. Tommy, we're in the heart of March Madness, so I have to ask, how is the bracket looking today? Bracket wasn't great. Um, Took a little bit of a beating yesterday, but um, not really majorly impactful. Um, All my Elite Eight teams are still alive. Um, that's kind of what I look for coming out of the first weekend. Um, if you, unless you have the chalk, I took some, you know, I, t- I got Duke going to the final game. I got UCLA winning it all. So, um, I, I think I, I'm, uh, my bracket's probably going to be reliant on those two teams. So, um, the, the first couple rounds aren't, uh, aren't overly important on my end. Um, I'm assuming that my final picks may be somewhat unique. So that kind of lessens the importance of the first round. So yeah, survived um, any, you know, some, any major uh, blows to the bracket. So it's still live and, and still looking good. How about yourself? Yeah. Uh, I took some hits, you know, I had Charleston in the sweet 16 and, and they, they lost a tough physical game against yeah. San Diego state. I did have the firm and upset. So that was really great. Um, so, so I had the Furman win, so that was good. So people who may have had Virginia moving on, that will help me in my, uh, bracket pool. Of course, that I didn't have Princeton, which many people did not have. I had Arizona in my Sweet 16. Thank goodness I didn't have them going super far. Some people have them as a national champion team. So, uh, lost two Sweet 16s on, on for opening day uh, of the tournament, but 
Still got 14 left. Still have my national champion, Texas, who won. So all in all, I would say a decent day. I think right now in our family pool, I'm in third place. So I'll take that. You know, I, I think some ways we kind of overrate where things are in the first round. Yeah. Got, it's all about surviving, yeah. making sure that your elite eight final four teams are intact. And right now, that is still the case. Alabama won. Texas won. So we're all Gucci here. Alabama without a single point from Brandon Miller, interestingly enough. So yeah, which is is crazy to be honest. I I, I don't know how that happened, but um, when you're playing those 16 seeds, sometimes you don't actually yes. need uh, everybody that you normally uh, would need when you play some of these better teams. Should be an interesting match they'll have against Maryland. But um, this is Orange and Blue Bloods and Odyssey Original. Again, this is a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes when we drop. We drop three times a week. This is the last one for this week. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. You can catch us on the Odyssey Sports channel where you can get not just the clips from these episodes, the segments, but actually the full episodes. And be on the lookout because soon I think I heard a birdie saying soon enough we will be on the WFAN YouTube channel as well. So subscribe to the Odyssey Sports channel. Subscribe to the WFAN uh, channel on YouTube. You should be able to see our pretty mugs talking about the Knicks on both of those channels. But let's begin this show talking about Big Mitch. Um, walking back comments he posted on Snapchat earlier this week about his role on the team. Um, if you remember earlier, Enrique Robinson said that he was uh, tired of just going out there and essentially, uh, you know, doing cardio, um, losing the fact that he really wasn't getting many touches, he didn't get many shots, and expressed overall frustration about his role on the team. We've heard him say these kind of things in the past. Uh, considering the Knicks won, considering it was such a great team win over the Blazers, considering. It was a much-needed win and a cap to a, a tough, but at the end of the day, successful road trip out west. It felt definitely tone-deaf for Mitch to go out and start belly-aching about his role on the team. Well, he took to IG, Instagram, to clarify those remarks. He posted in the comment section of a Knicks Fan TV post. Shout-out to Knicks Fan TV. Shout-out to CP, the franchise. Um Mitch said essentially that he has snapped. Those are the words that he used. He said he snapped after the Blazers game following three rough weeks in his life. He says that he's been dealing stress uh, with a baby on the way. So first of all, congrats to Mitchell Robinson. We're uh, about to be a new dad. So congrats to him on that. Um, he says he's been dealing with some family issues. Uh, he says uh, he's also really characterized his last few games, which he said he thought he played terrible. He said he had three game, three bad games in a row. And that kind of uh, led to what he called a perfect storm of emotions and led to him making that post on snapchat frustrated about his role um he ended the comment saying quote my bad should have handled it differently and didn't want no bad blood just have to find myself he also posted a later comment where he kind of i guess pushed back on the idea that he is a selfish player for voicing these concerns he talked about how the fact that he gives up his body on a night-to-night basis and that if he was a selfish player he'd be looking for you know 80 shots a game and the fact that he is willing to play defense and do the dirty work shows his commitment to what it takes for the team to win. So plenty here for Mitchell Robinson. Uh, Tommy, did Mitch say all the right things in your mind in these uh, comments on social media? Yeah, I get um, all the right things might be a stretch, but you know, when we, <laughs> when we talked about it on Wednesday, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was worthy of making too big a deal of, and I kind of prefaced those remarks, you know, or, or actually ended those remarks by saying, assuming that he does the right thing and address it with, you know, or on social media, um, in the days ahead and didn't let her become a lingering issue. And I think that's what we saw. Um, so kudos for Mitch for, for making the effort, acknowledging his mistake, 
Um, and as we said Wednesday uh, in, in the pod, uh, excuse him to um, come off looking that selfishly. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's no way around that. You know, he didn't congratulate uh, McBride on his career high. Um, he didn't yeah. congratulate the team win. He, he was more concerned about his individual statistics. That being said, we also mentioned, listen, these people are human beings. Um, you know, Mitch is a 24-year-old kid living in New York City, playing, you know, in front of millions of people um, every time he steps on the court. Um, so I think that, they, you know, we have to have some empathy and some understanding. Um, I think we kind of get lost in the shuffle of, you know, expect these guys to be, these guys to be robots and not react emotionally. Yeah. Um, you know, if you make a mistake, own up to it. Mitch did that. Um, I don't see this being a lingering issue. Um, you know, nobody has a bad word to say about Mitch on the team. Just seems kind of like a goofy, um, you know, character. But, uh, you know, as he says, he's dealing with some real life stuff um, that, that's more important than the game of basketball. When you talk about raising a family and having a child, um, life changing events, things along those lines. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was an obvious step in the right direction. Um, now we just need Mitch to kind of focus on the bigger picture here. I'm sure um, Tibbs was in his ear. I'm sure the assistant coaching staff and the people around him was in his ear. Um, you know, we know with Mitch, he's been through, I believe, four agents in his first four years uh, yeah. in the league. So, you know, he's, he's, you know, I'm not sure what type of um, relationships and, and, and guidance figures he has around him in his life. Um, you know, we know that he and Ruben Westbrook, he left after a couple of weeks. Um, so he's he's had a rocky kind of first few years. Um, you know, as he, you know, his late teenage to early twenties, um, which is not uncommon for, for many of us. Yeah. Um, he's obviously headed the direct locked long-term secure contract. Um, and, uh, you know, winning, uh, cures all, he's been a big part of the Knicks winning this season. So I expect that to continue going forward. Yeah. I think Mitchell Robinson, um, one, I think needs someone to take care of his social media. Uh, I think we've seen now too often in his, you know, four or five years here in New York that he can run to social media and post these comments out of frustration. And it's never anything insane. It's never something that's going to like crumple the team. He's not saying, yo, we need to fire the coach or trade this guy. He's never saying anything crazy, but it's just enough where you just feel like, okay, there's a reason why, you know, certain athletes just kind of give their social media to their agents. And, and, you know, you mentioning that he's had multiple agents, I think maybe speak to some of that. Like, I think that it'd be best for his career if he can. You know, I'm not saying don't get on social media or don't post when you want, but maybe, you know, hand that password, and that login to a handler or an agent. He certainly has enough money now with this new big contract he signed to allow someone to deal with that. So when he does get frustrated, they can kind of be a buffer and say, hey, uh, maybe this isn't a good idea. You know, be the Michelle Obama to rock in that like uh, viral meme where she snatched the phone out of his hand. Like he needs someone like that in his life because I, I think Mitch is a good dude from everything we've seen. I think that he is a guy who puts his body on the line. And he talked about in one of those posts that it hurts him that people say that he's injury prone. He's like, uh, part of who's I get hurt is because I'm throwing my body literally, you know, into the, into the line of fire, which is true. So uh, I, I know Mitch is about the team. I know that he's unselfish, um, but I just think that there are ways to, just like we talked about with John Moran, some of these guys, there are ways to vent that frustration. There are ways to address these concerns that don't um, put the team in a bad light or, or provide distractions to the team, which is what Mitch seems to do from time to time on social media. Again, I think because he's a, he's a pretty good dude, you don't hear him doing anything crazy. But, um, but yeah, I think the first that would be, Find somebody to handle your social media so we kind of avoid these issues moving forward. I do kind of feel like while I, I can understand his frustration and and I and 
I thought it was interesting he said that he had some bad games in a row because I do think that has kind of got lost in some of these games. Like, like you know, when we had Ben Rickholtz here, like he mentioned how poorly Mitchell played against Sacramento and, you know, the game starts and he's letting, uh, you know, Sabonis get right to his left hand as if he didn't read the scouting report. And he has had a couple of games where he's been a little bit uh, invisible. He hasn't been the same uh, impact on the glass and, 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 you know, blocking shots and defending the rim. And, no, for Mitch, I think that he can't let the offensive game affect the other parts of his game. I know it's easy for me to say I'm not the guy running up and down trying to block shots and box guys out and go after every rebound. But I think if there's a way the Knicks can include him in the offense more, that would be beneficial because it will keep him motivated, keep him active. And I think that the potential return of Jalen Brunson could help that because the more lots he can get, the more paint pressure uh, they can put onto uh, other teams. I think that allowed Mitch Robinson to get more opportunities. So I think some of this poor play he talked about, I think was actually um, linked to the fact that Jalen Brunson hasn't played in a lot of these games. Yeah, a very valid point. And, um, you know, and, and again, as we dress on Wednesday, I, I think he has a valid, a valid point in arguing that he should be more involved in the offense. Because as we talked about, not only would it benefit him and keep him happy and keep him motivated, et cetera, but I think it would benefit the Knicks as a whole. Um, yeah. You know, from Mitch's perspective, he averaged more than five field goal attempts per game as a 21-year-old sophomore. Um, 2020-21, um, averaging at least six field goal attempts, a, a career high. The last two years, he's averaged less than five shots a game. Um, you know, for a guy that plays 26, 27, it's a nine. Um, that's not a lot, obviously. And yeah. for as much as he, you know, as much as he helps the team um, on the defensive end, he's doing that again this season. Um, you know, averaging a career high 9.1 rebounds. Um, you know, 1.6 blocks. Like there's, there's no denying the impact he has defensively. Um, yes, he had, he, ha- he hasn't played well of late, and that, and and as a result, Isaiah Hardenstein's been in that closing five the last yep. couple games. Um, yep. Hard has actually outplayed him recently, um, and, and he has the plus minus to show for it. Um, he played him pretty dramatically um, in, in the last week or so. Um, again, you know, there's the facts going on. Um, you know that that you know, that that Mitch addressed. So, but yeah, looking at the big picture, I think. Um, again, there's, there's, uh, you know, the, not only would it keep, um, Robinson content more, more than more likely. Um, but again, it would also take the top of the defense challenge, you know, a lot of the defense, you have to protect the rim. If you have the big guy flying in. Um, so yeah, it's, it sounds like, uh, Brunson, uh, practiced on, on Friday. We'll talk about that during the next segment. Um, but having him back would certainly, you would assume, um, gave Mitch Rob some more locks. And I wouldn't be surprised if Tibbs comes out and kind of make the point uh, of getting him some touches. Um, you know, we've known coaches that have done the past, um, you know, infamous, uh, you know, the, the bulls used to, the first possession of all their games with Michael Jordan, they'd throw it to Bill Cartwright in the post. Um, yeah. literally like almost every game. Um, I remember that going back to the nineties. Um, they knew that he wouldn't get touches consistently throughout the game, but, you know, give him a bucket, give him a look, um, try to, you know, try to get him involved right from the start. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. The last four games, Mitchell Robinson has not played 30 minutes in any of these games, 21 against Portland, 24 against the Lakers, 28 was the most in this four game stretch against the Clippers, but that might've been actually his worst game. Shot two for eight from the field in that game. Uh, and just 20 minutes against Sacramento. So you mentioned Hardenstein eating into his minutes, some of that being the play of Hardenstein, some of that being the uh, poor play from Mitchell Robinson. Um, I think he saw that and, frustration and, and, get, get and, vented out here. Yeah. And, and important that the, the Nick outscored by 70 points with Mitch Rob on the floor. Um, he's posted a minus plus minus in each of those uh, seven, less seven games going that that's, that's going back to the, yeah, the start of March. So, so not ideal. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, that's a that's a definitely a pretty big sample size there. So uh, Mitch yeah. has got to get uh, get back into uh, the prime shape, and 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 I don't mean physical shape, but just kind of mental shape, really. If it looks like um, to get himself back to playing at a high level. And the one thing I will say real quick is I do think that when we see athletes um lash out and things like that i do think we got to kind of pause and kind of think about the fact that these guys are humans as tommy mentioned that they aren't robots and um we saw the job moran situation where he talked about dealing with stress and, and all the things he's been dealing with and um now we see mr robinson and in much more smaller you know situation a smaller scale in terms of the the importance or the dangers of it um him saying you know kind of some dumb comment on snapchat and we're thinking what the hell is up with this guy and he says hey man i got a lot of stuff going on you Hear what he's talking about. I say, oh yeah, I can understand where a guy like that maybe will make a, a poor decision. Um, where you got all these fans, all this money, all this attention on you. Uh, I think it's a time to maybe afford a little more grace to some of these guys to try to maybe understand what some of these guys are coming from and, and try to give them some support because, uh, because uh, of course, you know, NBA players are just like people and they need it just like everybody else. A hundred percent. You know, I think that's one of as a society, we assume that wealth equates to mental happiness and, and joy. And, yeah. you know, there's, there's not a direct correlation there. In fact, you know, you've been around long enough you have to realize that there may be an inverse correlation between, you know, excess money and uh, and, and happiness and, and mental health, et cetera, things along those lines. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, for, you know, I, I, fortunately, I think we've taken steps as a society and as a community of fans um, to be more empathetic to have a better understanding of the psychological impact and the pressures um you know if uh you know if for anybody starting out their career again Mitch Robbins is just 24 years old um yeah. and it's you know clear by some of the decisions he's made you know committing to school and dropping out and switching the agencies that he's had some turmoil in his life um and that's it, there's you know we don't we you know we all don't have that that proper role model that guidance to kind of push us in the right directions to bounce questions off of um so he's got to learn on the fly with a million dollars in his pocket um and coming from louisiana i'm assuming um you know that that that's money that that's generational wealth um but with that you know um they don't teach a course you know the mba doesn't come yeah. with a a one-on-one book. This is how you handle um, a two hundred thousand yeah. dollars check. Um, so all those things factor into um, you know, and, and that's something I try to be cognizant of in, in my time covering the league, and um, you know, as a father to, to two young children, um, you know, just to just to be just to recognize that everyone's you know kind of dealing with their own stuff, um, and that's you know that that's something that uh, you know we should probably keep in mind uh, more often than not. And to to cap on it. Mitch Robinson still doing a pretty damn good job. This is a guy who just signed a, a big extension to stay with the Knicks. He's been an impact player uh, for the Knicks since he got here. He is part of the um, turnaround in this franchise. I mean, when he got here, this franchise was ruthless and 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 terrible and and uh, a perennial lot of your team. Now, uh, two of the last three years, they're going to be in the postseason by all you know likelihood, and he's a big reason why. So even some of these missteps, Mitch Robinson doing a great job, and I hope that he understands that.
incredibly, I think he's the longest tenure Nick, right? I, I think he's actually. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is remarkable. Um, the fact that a 24 year old is the is the longest <laughs> tenure Nick. Um, but yeah, he's 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 come of age under the spotlight, and um, you know, for a lot of these guys, I I I give a I give these guys a lot of credit. Um, you know, we mentioned John Morant. Um, you know, and 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 there's so many. You know, especially in today's day and age, with I'm shocked that there more players aren't aren't uh, getting in trouble for social media posts, etc. Um, because if you know, if I was 22, 23, and had access to social media at, at, at my fingertips at all times, um, who knows what I might have tweeted or or you know if people cared that what I wrote. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it, you know I think a lot of these players deserve credit for staying out of trouble um, when when trouble's right around the corner. When you have that type of access, that type of fame, that type of celebrity, and the money that buys entree into different avenues of, of entertainment, let's just say, um, it's harder to keep your nose clean. So I give credit to these guys for the most part um, for, for for staying on straight and narrow. It's a stressful time of the season. Knicks just came off of a big road trip. Hopefully this uh, much needed time off that they got will help not just Mitchell Robinson, but the rest of these guys on this team that they try to get back in the swing of things. They're back in action on Saturday against a struggling Denver Nuggets team. The Nuggets are the number one seed in the West and four and a half games up on the Kings for first place, but they just snapped a four-game losing streak, and it wasn't necessarily the most impressive way to snap a losing streak. They kind of squeaked by the uh, Detroit Pistons last night on the road. Thursday night is when those two teams played. Some of the teams that they lost to during this losing streak included the Raptors, the Spurs, and the Bulls, all teams not with the top eight teams in their uh, uh, you know conference. The Bulls and Spurs right now, not even in the, in the playing tournament. So Nuggets have kind of let go of the rope here. So it should be interesting to see what they do in New York. Uh, the, the Knicks have obviously not played since Tuesday's win over the Blazers, which wrapped a West Coast trip in which the Knicks finished 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The last time these two teams played was November 16th when the Knicks, the Knicks uh, beat the Nuggets 106-103 uh, uh, in Denver. But that came uh, with Jokic not playing in that one. One of the favorites to win the MVP again this season. Important news from the Knicks, Jalen Brunson uh, fully participated in practice, and usually that is a great sign for him to get out there on the court and actually play. So Jalen Brunson very well should be in the lineup on Saturday for the Knicks as they return from this West Coast trip. So great news there. Uh, Tommy, just on that front, how does Jalen Brunson's potential return change things for the Knicks as they get into the stretch run? Well, yeah, just just to clarify, so uh, Tib said he uh, um, Brunson participated in practice fully, went through everything the team did, but they are listening. It was questionable, and they're waiting to see how he responds mm-hmm. to Friday's practice before making any firm right. decision Saturday. Um, so it's it's obviously trending in the right direction. The fact that he got back on the court and practiced fully is a terrific sign um, that there's not something lingering. Now you just have to hope. Um, that he gets through it all okay. There's no reoccurrence of the injury. We saw him come back um, after initially injuring, yeah. playing a half, and then then having to go back out for another three games. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Tibbs has to say pregame um, Saturday, one o'clock start. By the way, for you guys, uh, just keep in mind the uh, afternoon start. Um, I wouldn't be shocked even if he tells them he feels great and close to 100 even if they keep him out for another game um they don't play again till monday um you know it, it wouldn't stun me um again um you know that that's something that um and i wrote about it thursday is i think one of the prior they the knicks and tibbs should prioritize kind of scaling down the minutes 
for Randall Brunson, some of the some of the other starters. Um, in terms of total minutes played, the Knicks have five of the top 40 players in terms of total minutes. Um, you know, we've talked about Grimes. He has played less than a thousand minutes each of his three college seasons, less than 700 minutes last season. He's up over 1750 this year. Um, Randall, we know, leads the league in minutes, leads the league in minutes for the past four seasons combined. Um, Brunson coming back from an injury. Um, all that said, I would prefer. Um, even if Brunson does return, certainly ease him back into the into back into the mix. And even after he plays a few games from now until the end of the regular season, I believe there's 11 games left, about three weeks left of the regular season. I'd pref- ideally, I think you know Brunson should be around the 30 minute mark. Um, expand the rotation from nine to 10. Get McBride mm. his, his 10, 12, 14 minutes a night. Um, scale uh, Randall back from 35 to say 32 minutes. Give those you know extra three or four minutes to Obi, um, who's playing well and, and kind of excelling alongside um, uh, Josh Hart and, and I Hart. Uh, he's getting a lot of buckets in transition. That they, they seem to be forming a nice little chemistry. Um, yep. You know, maybe limit uh, Grimes is you know playing time a bit. Um, so those are things I think they should keep in big picture um, and, and related directly to to Brunson. Even if and when he's cleared fully and returns to action. I'd like to see his minutes scaled back a little bit. Yeah, actually, I think it's an interesting point about expanding to 10 because one of the things we didn't get to, though it was on our rundown on the last episode, was, you know, should they expand to 10? Did, did McBride, you know, earn his way back into the rotation? I mean, he plays and playing so well. And, you know, you're at this point in the season where you are trying to keep guys fresh. I do think it, it is something that Knicks should definitely consider, especially if, uh, you know, McBride's going to continue to keep shooting the ball the way they are. Knicks are in a little bit of a weird position because of the standing, which we'll get to in a moment because everything is so tight. I do think when it comes to this game, uh, having Brunson is going to be huge because you got a big matchup with the Nuggets. And we know how uh, explosive Jamal Murray can be on the opposite end, their point guard. We know how explosive the Nuggets offense can be. With, with a Jokic and and Porter and, and Murray. So uh, the Knicks can use all of the guys they can throw out there to match the office output of the Denver Nuggets. So Brunson uh, being able to fully participate is great news. Let's hope he can go out there, but let's hope he can go out there and not re-injure himself. You know, you don't want what happened in Sacramento where he goes out there, has a spectacular first half, even though he re-aggravates the foot injury and then he has to sit out for another week. Like, that's not ideal. So hopefully Brunson... Uh, responds well to this practice. He can go out there and play, not have any issues moving forward. Um, you mentioned the matchup with, you know, I mentioned the matchup with, with Brunson and Murray potentially. We talk a lot about Mitchell Robinson. I mean, this is going to be a big game for him to kind of uh, maybe have a big bounce back because he is going to have everything he wants and more coming from Nikola Jokic, um, one of the favorites to win the MVP this season, the two-time reigning MVP. That is going to be crucial. Uh, Mitch can't get in foul trouble. Mitch has to be able to stay on the court. Um, and he's going to have to, uh, you know, just keep Jokic at his average. You know, that's usually what you want to do. You don't want these guys going for, you know, 30, 20, and 20. These are the kind of games that Jokic is capable of. You know, he averages a triple-double. You know he's going to get his numbers. But, you know, keep it to his average. I think that gives Nick a good chance to win. So, um, obviously, Mitch is a big, important piece in this game. Of course, Isaiah Hartenstein will also be an important piece as well because he'll get plenty of time on Jokic as well. And I wonder if Sims might get a few minutes too if Jokic gets those guys in foul trouble. Especially in foul trouble, yeah. You know, um, but yeah, as far as Jokic, I'm interested to see. Um, I'm assuming he'll play Saturday, but they do. That is the front of a front end of a back to back for the Nuggets. Um, they also mm, play in Brooklyn on Sunday. 
Um, again, I assume that he'll play both those games. He's not a guy that sits out back backs to back, back to backs regularly, but they do have a sizable lead out West on the flip side. They've been playing terribly of late. Um, as you noted, Mike Malone has been on those guys kind of preaching urgency and getting everybody on the right page. Um, so again, I'll be interested. I also have, uh, Jokic is my starting center, on my fantasy team. So I, I have a best interest in that as well. Um, and, and hope that he plays both games. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it remains to be seen if he will, um, but that'll obviously factor into, uh, you know, the, the, you know, I haven't heard anything that, that, that he would sit out other game and he's, you know, hasn't, he's not on the injury report as of now, uh, for Saturday's contest. Um, but, uh, something, I guess, you know, just to keep in mind. And it's funny when you mentioned the back-to-back situation with Jokic, I think what we've seen now in the NBA is kind of a detriment to the Knicks is that if teams, come to the city and have a back-to-back typically is that Nets game that's in the house yep. uh these players want to play at Madison Square Garden I think the NBA wants these guys to play yep. in these games at Madison Square Garden so um Jokic can end up playing uh, against the Knicks but maybe sitting against the Nets we've seen a couple of times guys do that and, LeBron you know, did that LeBron, LeBron and AD yeah. uh I think AD also did uh, that. Yep. I don't yep. remember he, but yep. yeah yeah both of them yep. guys did not play in the Brooklyn game played in the Knicks game and we've seen that a couple of times uh this season and recent seasons so uh yeah that is an important note because Denver does have a pretty sizable lead and they haven't played that great they've looked a little ragged so maybe there will be guys sitting but you know odds are they'll definitely uh go to that Nets game well we, we haven't talked a lot about Nicole Jokic you know we started this podcast after that Knicks game uh where they played against Denver actually it was not too shortly uh after that that we actually did start this podcast Knicks would end up going like a nine game eight game losing streak right after right as they won there after they won that game um and that's when we end up starting this pod what do you think of Jokic's candidacy for MVP there's been a lot of controversy around it quite frankly a lot of people upset that he he could be a, a three-time MVP there are of course uh, other really great candidates yeah Joe uh, Joel and Beads had a great season um Giannis continues to have another dominant season, but Jokic is right there. I mean, do you feel like if he won, it will be legitimate in your eyes? Definitely. Listen, I've always remained stunned by people who discredit Jokic um, because if you watch this guy play, listen, he's not as flashy, not as exciting as some other players. I get that. Um, You know, you talk about social media presence. He has none, um, you know, bland kind of personality. Um, off the floor but in terms of vision I mean the guy is a literal genius Um, one of the best probably the best passer on the planet um, and and one of the best passing big men um, I've ever seen in my lifetime Um, you know controls the game um, you know just in in such a dominant fashion on the offensive end is a better defender than people give him credit for Um, his defensive metrics are always exceed kind of the eye test Um, but uh, you know listen I understand there's voter fatigue Um, you know having a guy you know just to become just the third player in NBA history to win three consecutive MVPs. You don't think it'd be a guy like Jokic, um, but I don't know if that's a reason not to vote for him. You know, all you have to do is be the best player, um, you know, the, the, or should I say, more importantly, the most valuable player in the sport um, that particular year. And I think he's done that the last two seasons. You could certainly make a case um, as you can this year for Embiid and or Giannis. Um, I'm, you know, same with all-star voting. I never get too tied up into, you know, and I never get too worked up because there's so many personalities involved. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Shaq not winning unanimous MVP. I think it just all these things, you know, it's, it's like the, the baseball hall of fame where, um, you know, uh, Jeter didn't get unanimous votes and, you know, other players have, have not been unanimous 
voted unanimously just because they didn't want him to get nobody had done before. Um, there's politics and all that nonsense involved. Um, so I try not, I try to kind of ignore the discourse. Um, and to his credit, Jokic, I think, has done the same. Um, but in terms of impact, in terms of quality of player, um, Jokic is that good. Yeah, Jokic, second league in rebounding, fourth in the league in, in assists as a, you know, center. Um, yes. Up there among the, the highest field goal percentages in the NBA. I mean, Jokic is a, a stud. And I think a lot of the a lot of the, the, the backlash to Jokic potentially getting third MVP is the fact that there hasn't been a championship run for the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is the fact that there this is a guy that I think just a lot of people don't watch. I don't think the Nuggets are yeah. a team that uh, a lot of people really uh, clamor to see, though I think if you you know sit down and watch them, they're actually a really fun team to watch. I mean, they play a beautiful brand of basketball, and, and Jokic, the way he's able to just dissect the defense is uh, surgical. So I, I think some of that just kind of honestly – a lot of people not really understanding what he brings to the table. A lot of people not actually watching what Denver yeah. is doing, but I think he definitely has a case to be the MVP for sure. I think if I was voting, I think this I would have voted for Giannis this year. I would have voted from last year as well, but I mean, he's deserving for sure. I mean, that's a Denver Nuggets team that a lot of people wouldn't have had as number one seed coming into this season. And they have pretty much run roughshod through the entire Western conference. And for Jokic to be uh, 0.1 assist away from being, a guy who averages triple double is still ridiculous. I know maybe we get desensitized to it because Russell Westbrook did it though. When he did it, it was spectacular as well. And that's why he got an MVP for a center to do what Jokic is doing. Um and then to do it at such high efficiency and what we what he brings to the opposite table as a scorer. I mean he's he's an absolute killer. And 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 if he's an MVP and he's the third one in a row, I, I would have no problem with it. Uh, totally. And, I, the, 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 and just the, the fact of what does MVP mean, you know, because to right. me, Giannis is the best player on the planet. He was the best right. player on the planet last year. He was the best player on the planet the year before. Um, but the Bucks and, and Boonholzer play him 32 minutes a night. You know, if Giannis played 37, 35 minutes, let alone 37, um, he'd averaged, you know, just a mind boggling numbers, you know, yeah. 33, you know, 16 and seven, some along those lines, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, a couple blocks again, you know, he has, he's played less than 33 minutes each of the last three years. Um, you know, because you know, that that's the, the, the Bucks have one, they have the ability to, um, you know, they, they have the depth and the talent around them to, win games with him playing that little um and they can prioritize championships because they've already won one um so they can look big picture etc where teams like the knicks and randall and, and tibbs in particular may not necessarily have um that benefit um but that being said so you know per 38 um but yeah to your point if when the when the when Jokic is off the floor the plus minus rating is incredible i mean it's it's, yeah. it's, it's impossible to overstate how much he means to that team yeah, and I think that that's what we have to keep in mind, that one, it is a most valuable player award, and two, that it is a uh, regular season award. So yes, this yes, yeah, concept yeah. of, oh, you didn't win a championship, or what's he going to do in the playoffs? Quite frankly, that's irrelevant. Exactly. Um, we are judging guys based on how the regular season has gone. And look, I think that Joel Embiid and Giannis have great cases of MVP. Joel Embiid's leading the league in scoring. His yep. last five games, he's been on a tear, 36, 34, 39, 39, and 42. Those are the point totals he put up, all wins for the Philadelphia 76ers. He has a great case as well. But I think some of the nonsense uh, that, that goes outside the purview of the award and what it means in terms of trying to make a case against Jokic, you don't need to do that. You got guys that are putting up the numbers and have the, the stats and have the, 
they're certified. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. Joel Embiid is an absolute beast as well. So uh, all these guys would be uh, 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 deserving, but Jokic is right up there with them, of course. That's actually why I think there's and, – and because of that, I wonder if that will factor into the Nuggets' decision to have him play in both ends of the back-to-back. You know, Because this yeah. thing looks like it's going to go down to the wire. If the Nuggets go into the end of the regular season, you know – uh, under 500 for the last 16 games, or whatever the case might be, and the and the and the Sixers uh, finish the year, you know, on a 17 and two run, some along those lines. That may decide the balance of power. Or if the Bucks, you know, um, continue to you know win and, and play well, you know, that that may factor in as well. Knicks Nuggets MSG, 1 p.m. start Saturday should be a good one at the Garden. So it's a race to the finish as Knicks have just 10 games remaining in the regular season. So we thought it was a great time to take another in-depth look at the standings and where they sit right now. So the Knicks currently in the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference, a game and a half up on the Nets, who are in sixth, three games up on Miami, on the Miami Heat, who are currently in that dreaded seventh spot, which means that you are in the play-in tournament. That is a spot that teams are trying to avoid if they can. Now, all three of these teams have relatively easy, easy pass to the finish line here in the regular season. The Knicks have the 22nd toughest schedule remaining in the regular season. The Nets have the 23rd toughest schedule, and the Miami Heat have the 29th toughest schedule. So it's not like these teams will have necessarily a lot of difficult games uh, coming here down the stretch. On the flip side, New York is also just two games behind Cleveland for that fourth spot, which means they could get home field advantage in the first round if they're able to catch Cleveland and pass them. Um, Cleveland, for 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 uh, for an important note here, they have the easiest schedule left in the NBA schedule. So Knicks two games back, uh, Cleveland somewhat uh, in, in distance, but Cleveland has the easiest schedule in terms of uh, opponents' winning percentage uh, moving forward here. So that's an important detail in terms of the Knicks' chances of getting to that fourth spot. So before we talk about the the maybe the pie in the sky hope for the fourth seed, when you look at these ten games the Knicks have left. How many do you think they need to win to secure the fifth spot? And how many do you think they need to win to avoid the play-in? Yeah, I think the, the there are two games that are obviously the most important. Those are the two games against the Heat. Um, they, yep. play at, they play at Miami next Wednesday, um, and then they host Miami the following Wednesday, uh, March 29th. Um, so those are the, you know, the two next, you know, the, the two most important games of the, of their next six, I think that'll kind of determine, um, you know, if the Knicks can win that first game in Miami, that should, you know, put, you know, um, assuming they take care of business these next couple of games could put them four, four and a half games up on the heat, um, with what, you know, six or seven games remaining on the schedule, um, which yeah. would be seemingly insurmountable. So though, you know, those are, if they, if they can get both of those, um, they will have essentially clinched a playoff spot, whether that's five or six, um, which is obviously very important. Um, and then you have to look at the Nets. Nets just lost last night. You know, the, the, you know, the Knicks have a nice little one, one and a half game lead. Um, we'll see kind of how things play out. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that uh, um, it looks like they have 11 games left, actually. Oh, sorry. Um, yes, 11. Yeah. Yeah, 11. So I, I'd say seven and four. If they go seven and four, I think that should be enough to hold on to the five seed. Um, you know, Tibbs, I'm sure, wants to go 11 and all, you know, would be closer to eight and three <laughs> or nine and two. Um, but um, yeah, I think if they, you know, six and five would be a little bit dicey, make Nick fans sweat. I think if they go seven and four, um, that should probably be able to hold off the Nets. And if they beat the Heat in one of those two games, um, that should obviously, no matter what the Heat do, um, should be enough to hold off the Heat. Um, and then it gets interesting with Cleveland. Um, if they, you know, it'll be very interesting to see if they're within a game or two. Um, uh, they play the the Cavs in Cleveland the, the final day in March. Um, they yes. have. 
four games remaining after that game. So if they can, if they're within, let's say two games, if they're, you know, where, how it currently stands, win that game, get within a game, then you, then you get, then you make things interesting um, in, in terms of how things would play out over the, uh, the you know, the, the, the rest of the season, because um, the Knicks have won both, uh, have won two of the three they've played against Cleveland thus far this season. If they would win that one, they would control the tiebreaker. So then you would just need to, you know, um, tie the gaps. And, and yeah. That, that, uh, you know, that would be quite interesting. Um, there was also a report, I forget where it was, but I saw it on Twitter, that the Cavs' um, internal dialogue is they're hoping that the Nets uh, jump up to five seed and pass the Knicks um, so because they'd rather play mm. Brooklyn than New York in round one, which uh, makes sense. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, Nets are a team that has been a little up and down since the trade, but they've had some really good moments. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they don't have necessarily the, uh, you know, established stars that the Knicks have right now. And it's crazy to say the Knicks have established stars, but the way Randall and Brunson have played, like that's what you have to call them now. Bridges is averaging 26 points a game since he joined the Brooklyn Nets. He's had some monster games for them, but this would be his first go-around as a number one option in the playoffs, playing for a whole different team, a team that's still trying to gel as they get closer to that postseason. So I think if you're Cleveland, that would make sense to want to play against the Nets as opposed to the Knicks. So, yes, you're right. I, I kept saying 10, but, yes, they have 11 games left in Knicks. I, I think, you know, I think 7-3, and three, you're, you're definitely uh, – 7-4, and four, I think you're definitely probably locked into that uh, fifth spot. Uh, I think playing above 500 I think would be probably the floor in terms of making sure you secure uh, the sixth seed. You do have a game and a half up on uh, Nets, and Nets will have to essentially win. I guess uh, they're, they have 12 games left, so I guess they have to win eight in order to pass the Knicks. Uh, do I think that's going eight and four in the schedule? Uh, they could, but, uh, and you know, who knows? These are going to be games where they have some easy ones here, but they also got some teams that do have some playoff seeding on the line. You mentioned uh, the Cavs. You mentioned Philly. They got that game against Denver as well. So uh, I think the Nets, that's nothing that they're sealing eight games, but I think eight games would be, you know, a great result for them here. And they would need the Knicks to essentially win only six down the stretch to make that a reality for them. They also have the tiebreaker over Knicks, so they don't need, to get um you know ahead of the Knicks in the standings to get that fifth spot. And for the Heat, I didn't I think the Heat, I, I'm just not as like they got these two games against Knicks. So that is very important. You cannot lose those games. But the Heat have been so uneven and they've played uh so disinterested at times. And that loss they had against the Orlando Magic in 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 Orlando last week, unacceptable. I mean they've had a lot of these losses of late. And part of me feels like even if they find a way to beat the Knicks twice, like they'll find a way to blow one of these games to Detroit or one of these games to the Orlando Magic again, who they do have one more time, or they'll lose to the Wizards and they'll find themselves right back where they don't want to be, which is in the play-in. So I'm kind of all out on the heat in regards to their chances of catching at least the Knicks. Um, Could they catch Brooklyn? They're a little closer than them, maybe. But uh, I'd be surprised if the Knicks fell off that much to where the Heat were able to pass them and the Knicks couldn't even secure a a top six spot here. I think when you look at the, the four seed, I think it'll be interesting because you mentioned that the Knicks do have a game against Cleveland. So that gives them a little bit of an advantage. I think uh, looking at the way the schedule is and how easy things are for Cleveland moving forward, that would kind of give me um, less optimism that the Knicks can catch them. But uh, having that game against Cleveland, the Knicks play really well here in these last uh, few games. Like, who knows uh, where you are at that point? And then when you get to a race to the finish, those last weeks of the season are interesting. And that's why sometimes even the – strength of schedule moving forward can be a little deceiving because some teams may have a great record, but maybe locked into a one seat or locked into a two seat or teams that are actually trying to avoid certain matchups that they don't mind losing a certain game. 
So uh, things can get funky. You know, teams that maybe you would think, okay, this is actually a tough game for the Knicks. Maybe it won't actually be all that tough when they play them. You know, so it, it, it's a lot of different ways this thing they can go. But uh, I think the Knicks are in good shape to at least find a way to keep themselves out of the playing. I think they got an outside shot still of trying to get that fourth seed. Do you feel like the Knicks, and this sounds crazy, but I'm going to ask it, because considering how they played at home, should they want the fourth seed? The Knicks are one of the best road teams in, in the NBA, tied for the most road wins in the league. Like, is there, uh, is there a scenario where you say, hey, maybe it would be great to actually start this season series on the road and – if you got to play one game on the road, the Knicks have shown they've been much better on the road at home than at home. Yeah, I, I don't I, – I understand what you're saying. I think for that reason they shouldn't destroy themselves and go all out and, you know, pedal right. to the metal. But I think if you get, if you have an option, you take the you, you take the four seed. Um, just because, you know, half quarterage. Um, yeah, have been successful on the road. But um, the Garden in, in a playoff game is, is a bit of a different beast. Um, you know, it's, you know, I, I think a lot of that home record has to do with teams getting, um, up to play at the garden is that one time a year, um, whereas the Knicks kind of take it for granted. Nobody on that, on that Knicks court is going to, you know, take a playoff game one of a, of a first round playoff series for granted. Um, you know, they're not going to come out more amped. Um, so I think you, 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 you kind of, you know, you don't want to place too much importance on that. Um, but again, you know, you know, falling into that five seed, you know, not even falling, but getting the five seed, um, is not the worst thing it could if you start on the road and if the Knicks were to ever win one of those first two games in Cleveland, let's say, um, that would make things very exciting for, for game three back in the guard. Yeah, I, I think that you said it best. Like, I think that, you know, I, I would still gladly take the four seed to yes. get that home field advantage. But you're right. I think when it comes to prioritizing what are the priorities for the Knicks, I don't know if the four seed is a top priority. To me, right. it's one, avoid the plan. That's the number one priority. Yes. Uh, yes. And then it's, and number two, it's try to keep that fifth spot. And then after that is third, then you say, okay, are we in the mix for the fourth seed? Then we'll try to, to get that. And that's why when we talk about resting guys, making sure some guys stay sharp, adding do some rides to the rotation, um, maybe it does, you know, add a loss or two to these last few games. But as long as it still keeps you outside the plane and keeps you in that five spot, then uh, they need to take that, that route because at the end of the day, it's right. about being – as healthy and playing as well as you can at the most important time. So they could go pedal to the metal these last 11 games, but if they got no gas or Jalen Brunson's out, God forbid, or one of these other guys gets hurt because they're playing too many minutes because they were trying to get the four seed, like that would be uh, a, a absolute disaster for the Knicks. Yep, agreed. I think that's a good place to leave it here. So that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods, a WFN Odyssey original. This is a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes. We'll be back next week with more episodes of Orange and Blue Bloods. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube. Uh, you can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel. And make sure you also give a subscribe to the WFAN channel on YouTube because we will be putting videos up there uh, at some point in the near future so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that and uh, Tommy lastly let people know where they can find you at Tommy Beer on Twitter you can find me EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter actually EJ on Instagram and TikTok thank you guys so much again for checking us out have a great weekend for Tommy I'm EJ take it easy guys peace